Shala Ali. Wow. That was something. I mean, it doesn't A for effort, but I don't, I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. Uh, Again, though, I said this the last three episodes. I have a hard time <laughs> pronouncing my own name. So, oh, no did judgment. You see, did you see Predators? No. I'll just take your word for it and watch it when it comes out. I've seen the other 16 Blade movies, so I'll watch this one, too. Did you watch House of Cards, the, the TV series? Because apparently it was like the out. first 10 minutes, but then they heard a dog. So I was like, no, I'm out. You're out? Yep. I'm out. Dude, if I see animals get hurt, I'm done. Like, I look so forward to John Wick, and then like half an hour in. Spoiler, guys, sorry. You know who else didn't like John Wick? Belichick's dog. Okay. Belichick's dog is going to ban that in the I room when he's the Patriots next head coach. Are you, like, passionately in love with this dog? I love dogs in general, man. But this one in particular. This one Dude, seems to be... You know how smart that dog has to be. To what? Sit in the chair and know he's being recorded? No, because do you think Bill Belichick's going to have a dog that doesn't know the playbook? That's fair. I'm not going to disagree. Bill Belichick let a six-time Super Bowl champion walk and go to Tampa because he wanted too much money. You think he's going to let his dog get away with not being 100% on the ball? That's fair. So let me ask you something. When Bill needs a break from from running the defense, are we going to see the dog get on the headset? You've seen half the people that they're out there to do commentary? Yeah. I'd rather hear the dog barking for 45 minutes. All right. Let's do a show. Let's do it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. We are now at episode 59, believe it or not. You've put up with us for 58 other episodes, and you're still coming back for more. Excellent. This is going to be a good one. It's going to be a fun show. Yep. Got a little hodgepodge here, a little, little potpourri. Got uh, baseball pushing back the uh, induction of this year's Hall of Fame oh, until yeah, next year. We have uh, our opinion, the winners and losers of the NFL offseason. Yep. And we have uh, some news. Uh, Andy Dalton has been released by the Bengals. We're going to you know, get into where we think he may end up. And uh, if we have time, maybe uh, a few more little tidbits. But first, we're going to get into baseball. Exciting news. Yes. They have announced uh-huh. that on May 30th, they will make a plan to start playing again. So, interesting. They've made a plan to make a plan. Um, less than enthusiastic. Yeah. Uh, they just don't. They just. It seems like they just keep throwing ideas out and ideas out. They, they leak out, and then they get their the heartbeat of the fans, and then they go the opposite way because, as we know, baseball continually just goes away from what the fans want. There comes a point where I think, because you're getting a lot of pushback from the players, uh, and the owners, and I, I heard this, uh, it was either today or yesterday, I know, radio, but it was it was an interesting tidbit that the if they open up, they'll only open up uh, their stadiums, potentially, uh, with 25% to 50% uh, capacity. Would the players be willing to take only 50% of their salary since the owners will not be uh, bringing in as much money as they typically would? 
And would that be a point of contention with the players? See, I don't know how that would work, man, to be honest with you. Number one, I mean, this is an unprecedented situation to begin with. Correct. As we all know, we've all heard it a hundred times, probably even more than that over the past few months. Just unprecedented times, so I'm not trying to throw that at you again. But realistically, we are. And these contracts are fully guaranteed, Correct. as you know. So it would make me wonder. Obviously, that you would think in this situation there would be something they could do as far as not having to pay a player who's going to be playing half the games. Uh, I mean, Sorry, $30 million, I, but I don't know. Here's the way I spin it, right? And it'd be kind of a – it's a logical business move by the owners to do this, but if they're only going to get 25 to 50% capacity, right? Do they really need to have all the workers that they need? So now they're not going to have as many workers in the stadiums, the uh, wherever they're playing. Well, now the players don't take a pay cut. Well, the players are – so they might have to cut back even more on construction stand workers, field workers, ground crew, what have you. And now it's, oh, well, the players are getting their money, but, you know – Jimmy and Joe, who work at the stadium for the past twenty years, can't work because the players won't give it up. It'd be a bad. It might be a bad look for the players, even though that would be a little bit of a bad move by the owners. It's a business, logical business move. Well, and and it is until you break down the numbers. I mean, let's be realistic here. It would be a cop out by the owners, which judging from some of them, like the Red Sox owner, would yeah. be something they would do without a problem. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They have no problem letting people just go and letting them throw them to the wolves and, and not even bat an eye. Thing is, it, I, w- I would venture to guess if you had a star athlete, you could take with that entire stadium worth of concession workers, makes it an entire year, come by and it wouldn't be half of the salary of one player. Right. So the owner can't say, well, the players want all their money, so we have to, we, we have to make sure this guy that makes – you know, $11 an hour isn't here. That's a complete cop-out. There's no way that makes sense. There's no logic behind that. And anybody who knows anything about contracts and numbers will be able to debunk that in about 15 seconds. It it would be a, a cheap move by them. If you're not going to be able to come back at, like, whatever you're going to do, you can't half-ass what you're going to do. I said this before when we talked about it last time. But I, I forget because there's always something with baseball because Rob Manfred is a horrible leader and cannot make up his mind. Correct. So there's always, you cannot half ass this. You have to have a plan. First of all, their idea to have 25 or 50% capacity isn't going to fly because you're not going to be able to fill even the half capacity, a stadium, anytime soon with people because people are still paranoid. Yeah. And I mean, for reason, obviously. It's not like it's no reason, but even if we go through and it would appear we're starting to see a reduction in the numbers of new cases and everything, which is obviously good but it doesn't mean you're out of the woods. You're not going to fill a stadium with 15,000 people, and that would be about half capacity for most stadiums. Right. You're not going to get 15,000 people in a place that small for some time to come. It would not surprise me if there, if even if they have 25 or 50% take, take a capacity, we see some stadiums with a few hundred fans, if that, and, and that's going to get old really quick. Yeah, they're not, they're not going to do it because the owners, this is how it was put, uh, how it was put. The owners are going to have a, a fixed fixed budget of you know for the players, right? They know what they know what they're spending for the players, 
and they have a, a general fixed budget for the stadium, you know, water, electricity, food, you know, concession workers, clean supplies, what have you, all the things that come with running a stadium. And you have to think logically, whatever, it's going to be a hundred percent each game of what they typically would spend as of the last year, you right. know, plus or minus for player contracts. But your revenue coming in is going to be significantly cut down if you open up the fifty percent uh, capacity, like you said, um, you're not going to get a hundred. You're not going to get a hundred percent of that fifty percent capacity. So, even though we know the owners are rich, I get it. They still have to look at it as a as a as a bottom line. If they know they're gonna, they know they're gonna be in the red. But how much in the red do they feel like they can take without taking a complete bath? And it means something. Like, I think most of them would be willing to take the red, but if they feel like a year, a two years from now, they're not going to be able to sufficiently support a franchise because they took such a bath this year. I think some of them might be just look at it and say, this year's a wash. We'll get ready for next year because we already spent X number of dollars on our players. We just can't see – we can't think it's physically responsible for us to put the money into the stadium for 80 games and not a 100%, 100% capacity, much less 50%. Yeah, this is going to be – that's why I said the other half of me saying you can't half-ass it is you can't – I don't think they're going to be able to have anybody in the stadium at all right now. You'll I think get, You'll get some. No, no, I don't think they're going to be able to. I think they're just going to not have fans there. I don't think it, I don't think it shouldn't come down to a matter of maybe because you're what well, you're saying you are correct because they're going to take a bath from a financial standpoint if they have to have all these people. So what you're going to say is you're going to have I mean we've been to a couple of ball games. I mean what would you say uh, when you I mean you're talking parking attendants, you're talking concession attendants, you're talking people who um ticket takers. What's that? The ticket people. The ticket people, uh anybody who works in the capacity of, of of anybody who's assisting the people getting to their seats, the ushers, I guess you want to call them. I don't know if they're called that. In a, in a maintenance stadium, people, but cleaning up. Maintenance, grounds crew. I mean, you're still going to need those people for maintenance and grounds crew because they're still going to be. Yeah. Uh, although I think it'd be funny. Just don't have the grounds crew. Let them just play in two feet of the grass. That'd be great. We'll see who's really talented then. Um, Yeah, let them come back not in shape after two months off and play in two feet of grass. That'll be, those would be entertaining. I, I've watched that. That'd be interesting. They can't have all those people there filling those roles mm-hmm. if there's 200 people in the stands. It, just, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't make, make any sense. Basically, and it doesn't make sense at you've all. You've seen a lot of players come out, which is kind of cool, and say, because they spend a lot of time around some of these people. Some. I mean, not, not you know, the grounds crew and, like, the maintenance guys. Okay. And, I mean, not so much, you know. Fans, but. Joe. Joe Smith, who, you know, works the front gate ticket booth and probably never meets Mike Trout. But, I mean, you know, it, you never know. But you've had a lot of these guys stand up and say, especially some of the younger players, go, this isn't cool. Like, these guys need help. Because baseball just gave everyone, every one of these franchises, which is uh, the green light, to fire or furlough all of their employees. Which is ridiculous. So you're making whatever you're still making of your TV deals. You get all that money. A lot of that money's up front. A lot of that money's guaranteed. Yep. The players' money's all guaranteed. But the people 
making 10 to 11 bucks an hour are getting completely screwed right now. They're getting destroyed. And you can say, oh, well, you should have a better, you know, you should have a better handle on uh, uh, your finances and what you're doing. Yeah, because every one of us could have guessed there'd be a pandemic right now. And every, every one of us knew this was going to happen, right? So to, they should have known too. And you have to think of this. I'm I, and I'm just going to pinpoint two cities: um, New York and, and Boston. I, I know that's like the the go to cities, but it, 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 they're some of the most expensive cities to live right, in. Right. So your grounds crew, unless they're community in every time, which they're not going to, because they're literally there sometimes five days a week. So they probably live in the city. Or close to the city, so there's there's money there to commute in and out. And if they live inside a city, that's that's a it's a horse of a different color because that that how much they have to spend on on rent and other utilities in the city is probably astronomical. But they 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 work grounds crew at Fenway. They work ground. Uh, they work ticker ticket taper at Fenway. Maybe that, that maybe that's their second job. But grounds crew, those guys, that's. A seven day a week job, oh, almost yeah. because yep. even if the team's not in town, they are doing work. Because I've been there, you can go to Fenway and take the tour. If the team is in town, they'll let you on the field. If the team, when I went, the team wasn't in town, they will not let you on the field. No, because they're doing so much work to it, right? Right. They they absolutely for it, which is crazy to think that oh well, the team's not in town, I can go on the field. No, nope. you can't. So they are literally working seven days a week. They are not working at all right now. And that those are the people that need that help. And yet your offers, you, you don't want to reduce. And I know we don't want anyone to lose money or lose um, their job. But some of your office executives, some of your office personnel, maybe they could take that 25% cut. To make sure Jimmy at the ticket booth and the people down in the ground school can actually have income coming in to supplement the fact that they lost 80 games. And here's the thing to that too is you're now going to say these people who you already had go through background checks and, and are working for your stadium, you're now going to pretty much tell them we're throwing you to the wolves. But by the way, we want you to come back and handle the food, right. the finances, yeah. all this stuff. And that could be bad, too, because you could have some very disgruntled people. And you could have a whole problem with that if somebody messes with the food or somebody, you know, fudges the numbers. And then, I mean, and there's another point that I'll end on this. There are some people who are not working right now who don't want to go back to work because they're making more money than they oh, yeah. would. Yeah. And if this goes long enough, which is it's not nobody's fault, but if it goes longer, you might have some of your ground crew members say, I have to move to out of the city because I need to be able to live, but I'm gonna make an extra number of dollars because I can live off the you know, state, the federal right uh stimulus checks yep. because they're they're giving me the money, and then I might have to get another job if it's a ground screw member. Like obviously, there's many many jobs I can get, but someone like a, t- a ticket taker, you know, th- there's only there's only so much you can do. So they might not be. You might have to overhaul your entire staff because 
you don't have anybody left because you furloughed everybody or you fired them all. And to your point, now you have a bunch of inexperienced people not knowing what they're doing to do. And you have three stadiums in the city, right? Uh, well, Foxborough, uh, Gillette's outside right. the stadium. But you have three teams, uh, four teams for three three stadiums. Some of them don't play nice, so they're not going to sit there and say, oh, yeah, well, we're in you know, the Bruins and the and the Celtics are in the offseason. So we'll help you out by by sending you some guys who do take a taper, tippy-tippy because we can – because I don't, I think the Bruins and the Celtics are kind of working together to, to keep their staff paid. I think the people who work for them in that capacity actually work for the the Garden itself. Right. So yeah, I think I think that's... but the Bruins, the Bruins uh, ownership, the Jacobs, they own the stadium, the Garden, right? yeah, the Garden, right. But I believe they're partnering together. Oh sure, to yeah, kind of yeah. support them. And you know what Bob Kraft's doing? You, you know Bob's not going to let anyone go on un, unpaid. No, the NFL has actually been really, really good about that. Oh, they're, Surprisingly, they're the fantastic. one the, the one where you could say is like a shadiest business practices of all the leagues has actually been the one that's most up front with bringing to make sure our people are taken care of, which is awesome. But baseball, not only to your point of if those the, the experienced workers don't come back, but like I was saying, I, I did a poor job of explaining this before. I was kind of tripping over my words. But you're now going to have, like I said, either completely new people who are inexperienced or – completely disgruntled people yeah. who are hurting very p- badly financially dealing with the most vital aspects of your park. Yeah. That is just not what you want. So you're really going to say if you're a billionaire owner yeah. who has making money hand over fist and other business ventures, you can't have a few hundred people making, you know, you pay them for a 40 hour week for a couple of months to keep the people who keep your heart beating in your park happy and make sure they can put food on the table for their family. When you're making that much money, look. If you're an owner of a small business and you're just not starting, and you're you're making probably not even as even as the owner, what you would make with a really good job somewhere else because you're still getting off the ground. If you're that guy and you can't afford to pay everybody, it's a bad situation. But I can understand it. I get it. We're talking about guys who have their their hand in countless business ventures. These are multi billionaires, at least hundreds and hundreds of millions yeah, of dollars. Absolutely. These teams, even though they're not on the field, they're still generating revenue. Not what it would be. If they were, if we had people in a stadium, but they're still generating revenue, and you came, you saw a lot of the players come out at first and say, "Hey, you know, we know these people really make it easier for us to do our job every day. We're going to put X amount of dollars into a fund for them." Well, it's a couple hundred people, possibly even more, that dries up really quick. The players stepped up. Now it's time for the owners to step up. Oh yeah. But whenever it's time for owners in baseball to step up and, and give money voluntarily. Good luck. And that's why I made the point of of the ownerships in towns need to we I just know the ownerships in, in New England are better than the other states. Right. Um but example in um Dallas. I mean Cuban and Jerry, they are worth billions of dollars. And Mark Cuban has come out multiple times. He is supporting his staff. I mean, not, not just his basketball staff. His staff in his entire state doesn't surprise me. He, he, seems, like he that, is, seems like that kind of guy. Doesn't yeah. surprise so, me. I'm secure in that bas- the basketball. I don't know the um. God, I wish I knew their names. I'm. I apologize for the Rangers organization. I don't know their um, ownership. I don't off, either. Actually, off the top of my head, I used to know it, but I don't know anymore. But I don't know their relationship with the uh, Dallas Mavericks and the Dallas Cowboys and the Dallas Stars. But you look at it if you have a partnership. So like, I believe Bob Kraft. If if 
John Henry called him up, he would be the bigger person and say, okay, but okay, John, you need some people. You need some of my people that I still have employed to work as ticket tapers because they're professionals and they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's fine. Reverse that. If Bob called John Henry up, he would automatically hang up because there's this, and I don't want to get out too off topic. There's the divide between the Patriots and the, and the, the Red Sox because the Patriots overtook them in popularity. Well, Which is ridiculous. Bob Kraft is the antithesis of what John Henry is. Bob Kraft is a good owner who the fans love. Right. And John Henry is a pile of garbage. Which is why we we, we kind of know what our, our situation is in our town. But, you know, it, it, if we go to Philadelphia, I don't know the situation with the Phillies ownership, the 76ers, the Flyers, uh, the Eagles. I don't know their kind of relationship. But just knowing the New England one, you have – the Jacobs have been kind of a little stingy with their money in the past. More recently, as the kids have taken over uh, for the father, they've been a little more lax, a little more open. And the uh, the Celtics ownership is right up there with the um, the Patriots one. Uh, so, unfortunately, they don't own their own uh, arena. But regardless, three of our teams in, in, in this state would would work together to help the community. It's that one that sits there, and I just don't know what they do. And surprise, surprise, it's the baseball. Team. Yeah, which I, I hate to be beaten on the baseball baseball organizations. I know we kind of have been, but realistically, it's their time right now. I know they're suffering, but they're not doing a whole lot to make us feel like a something's going to happen, and b they have a good plan. Because to your point. They're going to – they have a date to start making a plan to open up. Just seems ridiculous. Baseball for the, 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 the league that is supposed to be running at full steam right now, obviously we know the reasons they're not. But if all things were normal right now, they would be. I'll tell you what, man. I bought tickets in February for two games early in the season. Yep. I got a great deal on them. I think it was like a Valentine's Day deal. Granted, both the, the pair, both pairs, only fifty five dollars. Spend one hundred and ten bucks on the two pairs. Not a lot of money, no problem. But both those games have already come and gone yeah. because they were post they were postponed, canceled, whatever they want to call it. So baseball puts out a statement in beginning of March when they first said spring training is canceled, and as far as we know, with further notice, all games are postponed. And yesterday, only after. A, a couple, I believe in New York, filed a clash action lawsuit against Major League Baseball. Did baseball come up with a half-assed plan to refund or exchange tickets for games that already went by? Didn't they give the rights to each team to they do did. that? So they didn't even just blanket? No. Okay, games up to May 31st because we don't project right. to be playing. You get your refund because you didn't go to the game. It makes sense to do that. Instead, oh, well, you know, Tampa Bay, I know you guys have problems with your attendance. If you want to offer refunds, you can. Do you think they're going to do that? Here's the thing. Well, I mean, they're going to have to because – Oh, they're going to – because they're going to get kicked back. No, they're going to get sued. And there's there's, – you're selling tickets to something you already knew wasn't going to happen. This isn't like a game got delayed. You can't – I mean, in in that situation – if it's a rain delay, you can't go, I'm going to sue you because it rained. Different story. Right. 
they shut it down. They shut the league down, and I get why. But at the same point, you held up everybody's money for two months when you knew you weren't going to be playing because the, the whole reason I got on this topic anyways, because mm-hmm. the reason that baseball seems like it's doing absolutely nothing to help anybody is because you are only as good as your leader. It starts at the top. Mm-hmm. Rob Manfred is a joke. He sucks. He would have to improve to suck as commissioner. Bud Selig was not awesome, but he was miles, miles ahead of where Mark Manfred is right now. And Manfred couldn't even make a decision and punish the Astros or the Red Sox. And, yeah, the Red Sox are my team. And <laughs> well, they, they punished him. They blamed a video guy. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Ridiculous. If there's any blame to go around, you start with the video guy, BS. Manfred is weak. Nobody respects him. He has no authority. And instead of doing what you said, where you come out and you say, well, we know they're going to be canceled until May 30th. So anybody up until May 30th can either get the refund or you can exchange them for a later date. We believe will be the game will be played, but we don't know yet. So you may have to you know, delay, get your refund later on or, or delay it again, whatever. Nope, just nothing. No leadership. Nothing. You know what? I'm the last person who anybody would expect to say anything good about Roger Goodell. Yes, that, I was going to get to that point. Like, Let me I, tell you what, though. Dude's been handling it. He's been taking care of business. Well, he's, he been, put, he's been at the front of everything. Yeah. He's answered for everything. He's tried to help his his, his players, uh, the other people around the stadiums. They've been get, raising money for charity. They raised $100 million for research and, and, and assisting people who need it at the draft last week. Yeah, That's did. incredible. So I'm not the biggest as a Patriots fan. I don't like Roger Goodell on that front, but – the guy is stepping up and doing his job right now. So hats off for that. And for for a league that is technically in their offseason, I would say that that commissioner is by far the one that's most visible yeah. out of the four majors. Yep. Everyone else is Batman well. Batman is nowhere to be found. And they can't they can't decide what they're gonna do. They're still deciding Oh, do we want to play in North Dakota? Do we want to play in Vermont? Do we want to play in Wisconsin? Oh, we want to play in our regular stadiums. Oh, are we going to even play? What are we going to play? They can't decide. Don't get. We already talked about baseball and basketball. Uh, for all the philanthropy going on with tough word. the 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 owners and the players. By the way, they they are basket. The players themselves are trying their hardest. In bat and to to give content to their fans. Oh yeah, they're, but the, the but <laughs> they're doing their best. It's not always working, but they're trying. But Adam Silver's <laughs> nowhere to be found, no. and their their NBA draft is coming up, and they don't have a decision on that. No idea what they're going to do. And Goodell got hammered by many media. I mean, I remember we came on here, and it was uh, there was two people. I don't remember um, Mike Florio and someone else on a local station. And they were hammering him because he wouldn't push back the draft. And even I said, I can understand pushing back two, three weeks. Sure, we both. Could but I was okay with what they were going to do. And he said, No, no, this is what we're going to do. And they did it. And was there any glitches? It was like no, very few. Like day two, that there was yeah, a glitch. Any problem? Yeah, it went and really smoothly. Like that is, like for all the crap we throw on uh, Roger Goodell. The past three months, He's he has it. just been a it. shiny example yeah. of what the commissioner should be. Yep. And Manford, Bettman, and Silver. But by the way, Silver is one of the most progressive co- uh, commissioners 
in all the leagues, and he has just disappeared. They have no idea what they're doing, and I would throw them on the same boat with uh, baseball. And I would say NHL, NBA, you guys might want to just scrap the rest of the season, call, call it a call it a beat. I know you're not going to get your playoffs, but sometimes stuff happens. And MLB, if you can't make a decision by May 30th, you just might want to X the season out and, and take a beat. Well, they, the only thing Major League Baseball did make a decision on yep. was we have our 2020 Hall of Fame induction, which was supposed to happen relatively soon. Yeah, it was. I, I don't remember the exact date, honestly, because every every date is I, – like, I woke up this morning forgetting it was Thursday. I thought it was like Saturday afternoon. Um, but they have decided to push back the 2020 Hall of Fame induction of Derek Jeter and Larry Walker until some, 2021. Some other, some other ones. Those are the headliners, though. Yeah. Um, obviously, especially Jeter. Yeah. Um, but they've decided to push that back until next year, where I would assume they're going to do it for at the same time for both years, 20, 2020 and 2021. Correct. I mean, I get it in, in a sense. But in a way, I almost think they could have taken a page out of the NFL's book. They could have done a virtual. And had a virtual, uh, um, a virtual induction. And they could have found ways to donate money to charity. They could have had, uh, I mean, you could have auctioned off, you could have auctioned off the right to talk to these guys for five minutes after they got inducted. And you know what? Some crazy New Yorker would probably pay to talk to be the first person to talk to Derek Jeter for five minutes. Five million dollars. After they, yeah, you're going to just, you would get clear five million. You would get some big time New York businessman who was like, yeah, just put in as many zeros as it takes at the end of that check. Yes. And boom, you got millions of dollars for, for charity and for helping some of these people out. But, nope, baseball's like, no, nope, we're just going to push it off. Well, you know why they did it. And, by the way, when, when I saw this topic, I'm like, I went a different route on my perspective of, of what's going on. But I'll say this. Um, I lost my thought. Congratulations, Ben. But the angle you put in of it could be virtual, it's one simple reason why they won't do it. Their pride and joy is being inducted. They want the pop and circumstance. They want Cooperstown to get the attraction that it gets every single year. It gets thousands and thousands. They could probably push a million people. I don't know. I, I've never been there, but I imagine they could get close to a million people. If they're inducting number number two, the captain, into the Hall of Fame, that is point blank why they're pushing it next year. Because they want the income. They want the pop and frill of inducting Derek Jeter into the Hall of Fame. That's exactly why they pushed it. And, I oh, find- and, and that's all well and good. Because as a Red Sox fan, I don't like Derek Jeter on the field. But as a baseball fan, I have a ton of respect for what he accomplished. Right. I, I really do. I mean, you can't deny what the guy's done. I I just don't – it just go, it just proves our point from our, our first topic even more. Baseball, when it comes down to it, is just the bottom line in profits – and I'm not knocking that because they are a business first and foremost. So I don't have a problem with that. I'm not trying to come out like, oh, man, a business trying to make money. They're evil. It's not that at all. They could come out of this do, looking really good, mm-hmm. making a lot of money for themselves and for helping people at the same time. Because if you don't think you're going to have the people who are live streaming this thing, buying the merchandise and buying access to a virtual news conference after uh after the after their um excuse me what's that inauguration yeah inauguration yeah inauguration i guess is our inducted thank you 
Yeah, I can't think of the word either. Well, you inaugurate a president. You don't <laughs> induct, you don't inaugurate Derek Jeter. Well, I'm sure they could if they would. They could if they wouldn't. Yeah, but after the induction, you could have a, oh, it's a 200 person limit, uh, $99 or whatever. They could charge anything for it. They'd get the money and they could take all the money and put it to charity. So it wouldn't matter. If the money's going to charity, it wouldn't matter what they had to charge for it. But they and, then, and then they could, did you have a whole separate, uh, List of memorabilia to buy when they're in that room. Oh, I, I was there. Derek Jeter's virtual press conference afterwards. What? There's nope. so much stuff they could do they if, if, if they could just sit down. If Rob Manfred had any sense of creativity and decency, any of these owners did, they could sit down and they could say, well, okay, we're going to do this. The NFL raised a lot of money for charity and did a lot of good things. Yeah. But they're also going to make a ton of money off of that too. And their viewership? Like did you highest hear, rated draft ever. Day one roof. was highest rated day one, and the entire draft was the highest rated draft. Through the roof. So they're gonna make bank on that too. Like and they just, helped a bunch of people. Just seeing that, just seeing that, they should have said, Oh my god, you saw what the NFL did? Yeah. We have an opportunity. Uh whatever the date was I think it would have been in um July. June or July. It's usually June or July. You I wanna can, say it's June. I wanna say it's June too. But you gotta imagine this. There's still nothing going on. They could have said, we have an opportunity. What Like the NFL had an opportunity. They, they owned three days. I don't mean just like they were just there. They owned oh, yeah. Twitter, IG, probably Facebook, although Facebook's kind of falling off a little bit. No knock, just it's not as good as the other ones. And streaming <laughs> no knock, services, it's just not as good. I love it. <laughs> streaming services and the internet pretty much. For three days. You don't think if they take one day and just say, okay, well, we're inducting number two. I think it's a big deal. The entire Northeast quarter probably thinks it's a big deal. And I think that would be a great moment to do. Even though it's going to be virtual, it's a great moment. And you could get eyes on baseball and attract people that you never would have got. Right. I guarantee. Yep. There are people who watched at least day one of the NFL draft. Who probably never watched Never watched. Right. But they have nothing else to do, so they're going to watch it. And that's the biggest mistake. And the perspective, I want to touch on this real quick. The perspective I have on this, uh, counter to what you had, it's interesting that if they put the two years together, 20, 20 and 21, who is going to be inducted next year? Because you know the three big – no new people are going to be uh, inducted. Yeah, it's, nobody big. No one that will take the spotlight off of Jeter. There's no, there's no, there's no new people on the ballot next year that are going to be inducted. Probably in the entire time they're on the uh, the ballot. So you have your big three: Schilling, Clemens, and Bonds. By the You're way, by me, the way, all three should be in the Hall of Fame. Correct. We are both in agreement on that. You're telling me that Just throw MLB, Pete Rose in there while we're at it. Huh? Let's throw Pete Rose in there next yeah, year. Yeah, we can throw Pete. Why, why not? You're going to tell me that MLB and the BBWAA, which, by the way, more importantly, them, are going to allow Derek Jeter and Larry Walker be inducted in the same year that they they hated Kurt Schilling and the alleged steroid users Roger Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. No, I no don't way. think so. No way. And a fun fact. The three of them have next year and the year after that to get in the uh, Hall of Fame. I think the three of them will get in the year after, but they won't get in next year. 
And you're you're exactly right on the reasons why because they just won't let it overshadow Jeter. But here here's here's the problem I have with that is I don't know what 2022 is going to bring as far as new people. Yeah, and it takes one person who is a locked Hall of Famer to compress your numbers down. I'll say this before I move on to the next topic. Uh, you were 100% right about uh, the, the draft and the viewership for that. It was The numbers were just astronomical for the viewership for the all three days of the draft, especially round one, but all three days were great. Baseball is a sport that is struggling to get people in the stadiums. And I'm not talking Yankee Stadium and Fenway Park. and I'm talking stadiums around the league where you may not have those huge market fan bases. Even if the team's competitive, it's really hard to get people in to those stadiums to watch games. And viewership is down. You had a chance to have a society that is starved for sports content, new live sports content. Even if it's not on the field, it's... Oh, watch the induction. Okay, it's something new besides reruns or or streaming on Netflix. No, not the Netflix. I love it, but you can only do so much of it. Um, and they just dropped the ball. They could have made money for themselves. They could have made money for charity. They could have looked good. They could have gotten brand new eyes on their game. They could have taken every commercial break and shown a, a Derek Jeter highlight reel or, or, or a highlight reel of any of their up-and-coming young, talented players or established young, talented players. Or, or anything. Ads ads for you know with with your players because you do a piss poor job promoting your yeah. players and by the way your players do a, a piss poor job of promoting themselves and then i'll add on to your point chris there's an entire country in in the um on the asian peninsula i guess you would say it's it's an island off the asian it's called japan they are infatuated with baseball they love it can you imagine if you stream that the Hall of Fame induction of Derek Jeter. Oh yeah, and and put it on be huge and get it attached the way the NFL had it attached with the draft, and not to mention Korea, uh, South Korea, and I think China baseball is big too. Still, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. The only thing I'll say is some of those uh, countries have started playing baseball though. They have, they have. I agree with that. No but, fans in attendance, but the teams have started playing. But but if you told me if you if you said, okay, we know Japan's huge on baseball. And on a Friday afternoon at three o'clock, and there was nothing going on. You streaming the induction of Jared Jeter, and you're doing all the stuff that the NFL did. You wouldn't get tremendous eyeballs on it. Oh, absolutely, it. yeah. And you start putting people on there, and not to mention, there's a few people that came over this year from uh, Japan. I wish I could remember their names. I know Seattle, I think, signed one, and I think the Reds. You promote them on that streaming service. Now you're now you're just inviting more eyes. You're getting more attention. Mm-hmm. You're being more innovative. But that's the problem with baseball, is they're stuck in their old ways and they won't evolve like the other sports do. And that's going to be the problem they're going to have. Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna move on because we uh, you up. and I, you and I could beat that up all all day and night. So we're gonna get on to now are winners and losers of the 2020 NFL offseason. Now, let me make one thing very clear. This is not who we think the best team is going to be. This is not anything to do with how they played last season, or even, well, it is how we think they're going to play this year because it's players that impact in a positive or negative way. Right. So we were, we were toying with the idea of doing three, top three, 
and we actually had our list of top three. Yep. But we, we're going to give you just each of us is going to give you one, our best and our worst off season. This includes free agent moves, uh, free agent additions and subtractions, trades, the draft that just went by, and it's just again not the best team. So like Kansas City isn't either one of ours. No. That's not a knock on Kansas City, but they won the Super Bowl. So how much do they really have to do to make themselves a good team? They got the Lombardi Trophy. They're already a fantastic team. So they really this is teams that were either in the dumps and brought themselves out of it or were kind of on that really, really mediocre level and made some moves that just really made them shine. And I'll tell you from, from my top pick for the best, it's not always the number of moves. Just the impact of a few moves can completely change a team. But you want to go best or worst first? We'll go best. We'll go best. All right. Why don't you give us your best team of the 2020 offseason? So I'll be honest with you, Chris. Um, we talked about this before we started. Yep. Full disclosure. I just made a decision on relisting my list. And okay. I have positioned a new team at the top of the list. Okay. I've been sitting on this since we started, uh, and I can't I can't ignore it. And I don't know if we agree on it because uh, I don't remember what your number one was. But I put the Cardinals number one. Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I yeah, that's who I had too. I, I, yeah. can't, I can't. I I had the Ravens, but between what you said about how they increased their improvement, and it's just they 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 acquired DeAndre Hopkins. For peanuts. No, they acquired DeAndre Hopkins, and then the same move, get rid of David Johnson's contract. It, it, and, and they give up nothing for draft picks. Yeah. Realistically, nothing. A second-round pick. Ooh. Ooh. A second-round pick, and you got an albatross of a contract off of your payroll, I, and I, you brought in a top-three receiver in the league yeah, in his prime. I just don't I, don't I don't see how you can't. And then they added Devondre Campbell, which I love Devondre Campbell. Uh, I thought he was going to get an actual legit contract. but And then... And then, and then Isaiah Simmons, oh, and, and they just, the most prolific talent uh, athletically in the entire draft, falls to them at number eight. So now they have their offensive stud and their defensive stud, which they got in a matter of about four to five weeks of one another. In two years, Chris, they went from the bottom of the barrel to if they put the pieces together on the field, and then let's 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 coach that a little bit. They have to do it on the field. They could be the best team in the in the league because they have. One of the most exciting players in the league, in Kyler Murray. Yes. Who doesn't just run the ball. He can actually bomb it. Now, he has to work on his touch and accuracy a little bit. But but the, just because of what they put together, I only knocked them really for two reasons. And this is why I pushed them back up because they're not really that bad of reasons. I knocked them because I thought they, they should have gotten a running back a little bit higher. But as you pointed out to me, they have another gentleman on the roster. They have Kenyon Drake and they have Chase Edmonds well, who are incredibly I was, high on. I was thinking a partner with Kenyon Drake. And you remind Chase me Edmonds. Chase Edmonds. Yes. Who they were very high on until he got hurt last year. Right. So I'm like, oh, well, I guess I can't really knock him for that. And the only other thing is Patrick Peterson's a free agent after the end of 2021. And they don't have – or 2020 or 2021. But they don't have an answer to replace him or to partner with him. And I'm like, well, can I really beat him up for that? No, they I, have Isaiah Simmons, and I'll tell you why it's not fair to beat them up for that. Because, like you said, and I think I brought this up when we were watching the draft. This team went from drafting uh, who was it, Josh Rosen? Yes, two years ago on, on a, a different organization, a different or under under different leadership and yeah. everything. 
they drafted Josh Rosen, who just looked abysmal. It looked like their the future of their uh of their entire team was just pretty good defense, putrid offense, just bland, vanilla, nothing going on. They brought in different people to run the team, decided they were gonna ship Rosen out after one year, drafted Kyler Murray, drafted Christian Kirk, kept Larry Fitzgerald, uh made a bunch of other good secondary moves, and then they put it all together on the field to have a pretty nice season for a team that played so poorly the year before. Like I said, they were the best bad team in football last year. And that sounds like a knock, but it's honestly not. Then they go ahead and pull off the DeAndre Hopkins blockbuster. <laughs> then they get um then they go ahead and they get uh Isaiah Simmons in the first round. And then in the third round, they get uh what's his name? Josh Jacobs? No, that's the uh, uh, running uh, back. The the, the tackle. The tackle. It is uh, Josh Jones, excuse me. Yes. The offensive tackle, who I saw, I honestly saw some people projecting him in the first round, early second round. Then he got him in the third. They were talking to him at the end of the at the end of first day one. Uh, the guys on, on I don't want to say on stage, but on uh, uh, streaming were saying, well, well, he's going to be like the one of the first guys off the board. Especially with the Patriots picking yep. um, fifth, over, fifth in the second round. Like, he's going to be one of the guys. And I was listening to a podcast um, – for the Patriots, I'm like, yeah, they're probably going to look at uh, the tackle, um, Jones, was it? Yeah, uh, Josh Jones. Josh Jones. They were going to probably look at him as as, as off the board, but right. and he goes all the way to third round. It's like it's yeah, you, you you just can't. You look at it and you just say, entire package. They just hit it on all cylinders, and it's a team that looked like it was on the rise because. Of what they did against the, of their division opponents, you know, we've said this before. They took the Seahawks to the mat a couple of times. They took the 49ers to the mat both times. Lost, I think they went one and one. No, they lost. They, they lost the San Fran both times, but it was very close. But now enter in DeAndre Hopkins with Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, I don't know who they're having at tight end, but it doesn't really matter. No big names, but that doesn't mean there won't be any good. And they'll have Kenyon Drake who. Became a different person and is now going to want to get because he's on a transition tag. He's right. going to want to get his contract. Yep. So if he's not going to get it this year, he'll definitely get it next year because then he, if they tag him again, it's an increase. Right. Um, and then, I mean, on defense, they have Chandler Jones who came close to the NFL sacks record last year. And now they have ISN Simmons and they still have Patrick Peterson. And I'm, I'm discounting a couple other guys. I know they have, I think they have Buda Baker in, uh, the secondary uh, in the safety, but they have, they're, they're up and down. They've created this roster that is going to compete with all the other teams in their division and also the conference. And it's just disturbing how Isaiah Simmons just literally dropped into their lap and they didn't, they didn't get scared and they said, Nope. "Nope." We're going to take Isaiah Simmons. Right. We believe in him because I was furious, and you you or you heard it. I was furious when I heard a couple people saying, eh, "Isaiah Simmons, eh, probably maybe top fifteen, maybe maybe top 10. I'm Like, no, 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 no. If Barrows doesn't have the season he has, yeah. If Chase Young has a few more dings on his record, Isaiah Simmons is the number one overall. Player. Absolutely. And if I were Cincinnati and I didn't need a quarterback, Isaiah Simmons is the number one pick. The Arizona Cardinals, in my mind, got 
I think pound for pound, the most talented person in the draft. And uh, I'll, I'll close on this as far as the, the the best team goes for me. If you want to look at how you can in a very short amount of time have the right people in leadership positions on a team, turn that team from a dog to a contender. Just look at the Cardinals. Yeah. that That's how you do it. And I question. At every level. I question Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury coming in because he did nothing at Texas Tech after he took over for um, – can't remember his name, and I'm gonna hate myself in two hours when I remember his name. Uh, and then he got the job at USC as the OC, and then he just kind of warmed his way out of that to get the job with Cardinals. And I kind of didn't like the whole situation, but look what it's done. He's taken one of the best college prospects at quarterback, one of the most versatile guys, and he's introduced him into the offense that fits him. And now he's getting weapons around him because that Christian Kirk second round pick at 18 was like, huh? And now it's turning into, whoa. Now uh, he's like the second, third yeah. option. And it's it's just, it sets him up. And they have, Chris, their, their cap space, it's very nice. Each year it's, it's nice and easy. Yep, They can make a couple moves. They're not overwhelmed. Now when Kyler Murray comes up, that's a different story. But... He's only in his going in a year or two. Year or two, so you have time. It's just insane. They can make trades during the season to improve the team if they need to. I say I know the Niners went to the Super Bowl, and no knock on them because I think they're going to be extremely good this year again. And the Rams, well, we'll get to them. But man, how fun are those Cardinal Seahawks games going to be next year? That's going to be. If one of those games isn't put on Monday Night Football, I'll be shocked. It always, I mean, if they do try to get both of them, because you talk about you got Seattle, you got Russell Wilson, you got Tyler Lockett, you got DK Metcalf, you have a talented defense. Um, um, I don't want forgetting people, and you go, you got Kyler Murray, you have uh, there the Cardinals running game, then you have DeAndre Hopkins and a good defense with the Cardinals too. Isaiah, dude, those games are going to be so much fun. They're going to get, they're going to get a guarantee. They'll get. At minimum, two Thursday nights. I know there's limits on how many they can get. They're going to get two Sunday nights. They will get at least one Monday night. And when we get to Saturday in December, they will be a 4 o'clock game on a Saturday afternoon because they're going to want to put um, – in the dead, dead of winter, they're going to want to put the Cardinals on Saturday afternoon football. And it, they're, they're going to try their hardest to get those de- the, the, those games – on primetime view because Lamar and I don't know their their schedule. If they face Baltimore, oh boy, you're putting that Monday night football or Sunday night football, and you're just showcasing it. Or dare I say Thursday night football on NFL Network, Baltimore at Arizona. That'd be a great. I game. mean, you're just yeah. you're just telling you're just telling me. May as well be printing money. I, <laughs> Your, your viewership will go up yeah, tenfold. Absolutely. Because especially if Kyler Murray starts. We, we, we understand what the Ravens should be. If this team in Arizona comes together, it's 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 a train. It's going to be a train wreck for the rest of the teams. All right. So now that we unanimously chose the Cardinals and we've been uh, fluffing them for the past ten minutes, now we got to get to the negative. Oh, so this, is, who, this is easy. Yeah, I know for you. For me, I actually had a couple. I actually, as much as I like the Cardinals, I had a few teams that. We're right there as far as making really good moves. Yep. Um, I also, I mean, Denver was right up there for me. 
Cleveland was a sleeper. They made some really nice moves. I tried um, to get the Eagles in. Yeah, but Eagles that, were on my short list. But that that dead cap in 2021, yeah, or that, not the dead cap, the overall cap uh, in 2021. Eagles fans, be happy now. I, I want you to go look at your cap in 2021. You're gonna be sad. Well, teams teams can always fudge caps yeah. and move things around, so I'm sure they'll figure it out by then. But but here's some teams that don't seem to be able to do that. Yeah, here's some teams that, and I think mine might surprise some people, but I think when I explain it, it's going to be very obvious. Well, I hope so. If I do my job, it will be. But who is your worst team of the 2020 offseason? So I had three choices, Chris. I had uh, the Rams, the Texans, and the Bears. I chose the Bears. I'll tell you why. I hope so. Otherwise, it's a pretty boring podcast. (laughs) Their their issues have... um, leaked in from previous seasons and will leak into future seasons. So this is not just an indictment on their season this year, or I should say their off season this year. This is an indictment in the past few years. It's funny because I have the same feeling on my team that I chose, but go ahead. Okay. They took, we've been over this. They took their third pick in 2017, was it? Yes. 2017. Their third round pick their fourth-round picks, and their 2018 third-round pick to move up one spot to get Mitchell Trubisky. When nobody was going to take him Correct. anyways. Nobody was going to take nobody. Not, I mean, not at that position. Eventually, somebody would have, but not in that spot. Not in that, not in that spot. By not the way, I know hindsight's 2020, but the Chiefs in that same draft got Patrick Mahomes, and the Texans got Deshaun Watson. And I don't think either of I them I think moved? Kansas City might have moved up a few spots, maybe. I'm I not positive on that. Though. Maybe either way, though, it was nothing stupid like the Bears did. No. And uh, for all the questions of Patrick Mahomes, he was in a passing offense at Texas Tech. Right. And even though there were questions around Deshaun Watson, guess what? He went to the national championship. Yeah, he if played he, for a pretty good team. He played for a pretty good team. Pretty solid, right? Pretty college solid pretty team, team right? yeah. Yeah, they were pretty good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you know where Mitchell played? I don't. North Carolina. Not exactly a college football. School. No, no, no. It's not a hotbed of, of college football. It's more basketball. But beggars can't be choosers, I guess. Let's drive up and get the third pick, and uh, get this, get the second pick, and get. Mitchell Trubisky. Trade away what, a ridiculous amount of draft capital to get him, by the way. What has that done for them? Absolutely nothing. Set because, them back about five years. Because now what did they do this offseason? They took draft capital, not a great deal amount, but they took draft capital and acquired Nick Foles. They took money and threw it at Jimmy Graham, who is aging. They took a lot of money and threw it at Robert Quinn on the wrong side of 30. And they let... A linebacker, Kowalski go, which is a glue guy, but nothing nothing big. Leonard Floyd, a first former first-round pick, they just let him go. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix, they signed him for a year, they let him go. <laughs> uh, Taylor Gabriel, they released him. Prince of Mukamura, they, they signed him to a pretty decent contract, I think, one or two years ago. Guess what? Released him. I just want to point out that at one time, their cornerbacks' names were uh, Prince and Ha-ha. Well, Ha-ha's a, a safety. Was he a safety now? He's a safety. All right, no, well, members of the secondary, anyways. Member of the secondary. It, it, it's and they're paying crazy money to Fuller, crazy money, like money you should not pay a number one corner 
who isn't stamping out one side of the field. Uh, and by the way, they have one of arguably, I don't even think it's arguable, honestly, one of the most talented defensive forces that we've seen in the past couple generations in Khalil Mack essentially just rotting away on that team because they traded for him and then put nothing around him. And what they did was, first off, they have cap issues going into 2021. P.S. And I, I say they, they failed on Mitchell Trubisky because guess what? Uh, I believe it was announced today or unofficially announced. They will not be picking up his fifth-year option. Stunner. Their second-round pick, which is probably their better pick, uh, Jalen Johnson, is projected to compete for the number two spot uh, opposite of Fuller. And he seems like a more physical corner that I don't think Kendall Fuller or Kendall Fuller, Kyle Fuller. It's a Fuller. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> it's just somebody named Fuller. It's not Will. We know but that. It's kind of sad that the second round pick is going to compete for the number two corner position because you let your other one go and the ones you have on the roster who are you paying money to can't do the job. But I like the pick. What I don't like is the tight end in the second pick in the second round. Uh, Cole, uh, Cole Clement, who's a decent tight end. But here's my problem with it. I believe they have wide receiver needs outside of outside of who's the guy they have out there. Allen Robinson. Robinson. Yeah. They had three, there's three receivers ahead of them that they could have taken with that pick instead of the tight end, and they didn't do it. They have needs at every offensive position except for running back. I agree. I, I like if you you resolve. So you feel you resolved your tight end issue with Jimmy Graham. Okay, I know you have a couple guys you like that you played last year, and obviously you got rid of Trey Burton. That's fine. That was a mistake. I could add that to the list of mistakes for the Bears. But you drafted Cole Clement when you could have had. I know I kept. Um, Count his name in the draft, but you could have got Lavishka Sanat Jr. My God, again. I, you could have oh, gotten wow. him. And because Cordell Patterson looks like he's one of the number twos. Yeah. Like you have Anthony Miller, and then it's Cordell Patterson, and then the wide, I guess, one or two wide receivers you drafted later in the draft. And you just don't have the stable of wide receivers you need for a Nick Foles. Nick Foles is going to throw, do what Trubisky did. He's going to throw to Allen Robinson. I think the offense will be better with Nick Foles. He can he can manage an offense far better. But he's not going to have the weapons. No, he won't have the weapons. But I think you, I think you have a far more competent quarterback. I'll just say this, man. It, it's a shame. I mean, Chicago has such a rich history, football history, with that team, and that is such a a, a loyal, like proud fan base. That I went to Chicago and it was nowhere near football season. Actually, it was right actually right before it actually started. Maybe a few weeks in. I have no timeline. Anyways, dude, everywhere they love their Bears. They love the Bulls. They love you know their baseball teams. Like they, it, it's it's everywhere. It's even a memorabilia. Like you go into any souvenir shop and it's like it, it, it's a great sports town. And it's just it, it's it's crazy to me that you have a a rich history and a loyal fan base like this, much like. Uh, Cleveland for a while, and you just cannot get anybody in there to build a competent franchise, to build a competent team. Like you give up a lot to get Khalil Mack, which is understandable because he's a generational talent, and then you don't put anything around him, and there's nothing on offense. It just makes you shake your head. I don't know. I, I do want to 
didn't want to speak out of turn. LaVishka went one pick ahead to Jacksonville. The people I were thinking of, and, and we touted Denver's selections of the wide receivers, which was fantastic. <clears throat> they could have had K.J. Hamler and this Chase Claypool that the Pittsburgh Steelers picked. I mean, I don't know him, but guess what? It's the Pittsburgh Steelers drafting a wide receiver. Does it have credence? Yeah. Yeah, they have a pretty good history with that, yeah. It doesn't matter if they drop him in the first round or the seventh round. For some reason, the Steelers draft wide receivers. And you don't get one of those. It doesn't make sense. Speaking of not making sense, let me get on to my team. Go ahead. My team, they had the worst 2020 offseason. I know the, the main goal of this was to... I wasn't making a decision based on talent of play last year or, or or quality of play last year, excuse me. I was making a judgment on the organization and the team. Like you said, some moves made previous seasons and some moves that are going to have to be made down the road did creep in and affect my decision. I thought about going with Jacksonville, but I thought that was low-hanging fruit. Yeah, I mean, we've already beaten them down to the point where, I mean, there's just no point. I honestly thought about the Patriots also, because well, I don't think I don't think they'll be a poor team. I don't think they'll be competing with Baltimore and Kansas City, but I do think they'll be respectable at least. Uh, they didn't. They lost a lot of people, which you, you know we're both okay with because of the money it would have cost to keep keep them. Uh, they didn't really bring anybody in. That's all the teams we chose either brought in or lost key free agents. Right. They lost the key free agents, didn't really bring anybody in. So it's hard to just go on unproven NFL players coming in from the draft to say, oh, it'll be this, it'll be that. But anyways, that's not my team, so I'm going to stop talking about them. I chose the LA Rams. I think it's fair. As the worst 2020 offseason, they cut their former franchise running back, Todd Gurley, who they just signed a couple years ago. Let Corey Littleton walk, Dante Fowler Jr., Nikel Roby Coleman, Clay Matthews. Doesn't I mean your opinion on these people individually is I mean not that it doesn't matter, but it's not the point. The point is you have all these people who were who played a part, albeit some small, some big, in your team. I think except for Clay Matthews was only there last year, I believe. Yeah. But those other guys were there during that run where they went to the Super Bowl and lost probably the most boring Super Bowl ever. If you weren't a Patriots or Rams fan. And all those guys are gone now. And all you have is Jared Goff's inflated contract. Correct. Which is going to absolutely cripple that team at a $33.5 million annual uh, annual number for the next four years. And a massive guarantee. So you can't cut him. He ain't going nowhere. That contract's not going anywhere. There's no out. You're on the hook for Jared Goff. And then... You trade Brandon Cooks because you know you can't afford it. You know, you just whatever. Cooper Cup's coming up. There's no way you can afford him. You just sold the farm to pick up Jalen Ramsey, who you think is more talented than I happen to think he is. Well, he is good, but how good are you going to be when you have nothing else around you? Because, oh, you have Aaron Donald, who you also give a big contract to. And while he's worth it, those numbers start to add up from these big inflated contracts. They're all going to hit around the same time. Ramsey's not going to want anything less than 15 to 20 a season. You, you know Cooper Cup is going to get a King's Ransom. 
You have Robert Woods, who is very much underutilized and super talented. He could go somewhere else for a good good chunk of change. So you have a bunch of unproven positions now. Jared Goff, who we're not talking about a team letting these guys go, and they have a Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, a Drew Brees, a guy who can run an offense and make decisions. We're talking about Jared Goff, who depends on Sean McVay to tell him before every play what he's doing in his headset. Yep. This isn't a guy who runs the offense himself. This isn't a guy who can be creative and make things happen. This is a guy who is 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 the league's most talented puppet. And this is what your franchise is resting on. You had no first-round pick this year. By the way, you have no first-round pick next year. And then you have to go ahead and probably overpay Jalen Ramsey, along with overpaying Jared Goff, paying Aaron Donald, uh, Aaron Donald a ton of money, letting Cooper Cup walk because you can't afford him. You don't know what you have in a running game. Your rest of your offensive line is going to struggle because of all those inflated contracts. Your team is a mess because you didn't know how to manage it once you got success. I'd give you a couple extra points to help Be my you. guest. Just throw some more dirt on they have They have $50 million in cap space next year. How quick is that going to dry up? That's going to be gone in no time. Uh, they're paying Andre Webworth $11 million next year. Yeah. They re-signed Andre Webworth to a two-year contract for what? And to your point, there is no first-round pick. Fun fact, they also don't have a fourth and a fifth. Oh, that's fun. That's how, you re- that's how you rebuild the team. Yeah. And if I go to 2022... No, they have all their picks for 2020. So they haven't screwed up 2022 yet. But oh, give them time. Give them time. But that, but that's your point is Cooper Cup, you know, even though the website I go to kind of misplaced the numbers for, for quite a few of the talent, I think generally their their numbers are close. It's going to be an AAV close to probably 19 for yeah. Cooper. Yep. And it says 14 here for, for Jalen. I, I think 15. And they they signed Leonard Floyd. Oh, dude, there's no way. They just don't end. Again, because it's a post-June 1st cut, which I know makes no sense to me. It doesn't make sense to you. But Todd Gurley is a June 1st cut, so that way they can spread the money through two years. So this doesn't factor in how much dead cap is going to incur from dead Todd Gurley. Because they're they're splitting that money. They're not they're not dumping all on on this year. They're they're splitting it ha- uh, part of it to twenty twenty one. So that fifty million is going to go like that real quick. Just two things real quick. Anybody out there listening to this who goes, wait, Todd Gurley played last year and it's not in June first yet. How is he a June first cut? That's what Ben's talking about. Doesn't make any sense. But he's listed as a June post June first cut. So it's like June first when it hap- when it when it occurs June first. Then you can go on um, spotrack.com and they will, and it will have an updated salary cap space for this year and next year, putting Todd Gurley's dead cap in the correct spot. Because right now, it's just counting towards their cap. It's just funny to me. He's counted as a June 1st cut. And he's, he's already, already he's he's not only been cut already, but he's been, he's signed, sealed, and delivered to another team. So. It is, it is uh, one of those paperwork kind of move the money around as we, as we pointed out earlier. They can make things happen. You can't make $34 million of Jared Goff's contract trying to move around. He is 16% of the cap. Yeah. Aaron Donald's 13%. Two players own almost 30% of your cap in 2021. The only situation I can see worse than that is down in Atlanta where, where oh, yeah, Matt Ryan is what? He's like 
thirty percent of the cap or something. Matt Ryan and what their defensive tackle. Yeah, I don't remember his name offhand, but it's the same situation because it's a quarterback and defense tackle. It's just insane that this team. It basically went all in on that one season yeah, that they failed. And, yeah, did not do it. And they thought they had to, they could, oh, let's run it back. Oh, by the way, we'll bring, uh, we'll add a couple more pieces, uh, little proliferary pieces, and it completely failed because of one guy. No no diss to Todd Gurley, but he is kind of like the, the engine of that offense. Yeah, and, it, yeah, it and they work. found out real quick that those knees are not what they thought they were. I'll just say before we move on to our last topic uh, this uh, this show. Yeah, I think your Jalen Ramsey annual uh, when you said he's going to want fifteen. That's mm-hmm. why I was kind of like, no way. Jalen Ramsey's made it very clear ever since free agency was even on the horizon for him, which is one reason why him and Jacksonville could not work out an extension. Right, that he wants whatever team he's on to back up that Brinks truck and just shower money down upon him. Shut up in the Brinks truck last offseason. Yeah, he literally showed up to, to training camp in a Brinks truck last yep. offseason. Yep. So this is the kind of guy we're dealing with. He makes no bones about it, even though I don't think he's the best he does. And he thinks he's worth every – he's going to want $20 million a year. But here's the thing, Chris. Darius Slade just got 16 and a half. He's going to say he's better than Darius Slade, and he's going to want say. that. And here's a problem, though. Is, is, he, is, he, is it going to be the same situation that Jadavian Clowney is going to run into, is running into right now? Probably. Because if he has any sort of injury, then his market's going to slip. And Jadavian Clowney is still unsigned. It is almost May. He is still unsigned. And he's not going to sign a big long-term deal now. He's going to probably get a one-year one year incentive deal and have to prove it. He's already said he's come down on a little off his price, which is why Seattle's in on it, which is why there was another team that I can't remember what it was, but there's another team in on him. And it might come down even more, and now you'll bring in more teams. But to your point, he's going to want to sign a one-year deal because he's going to want he wants his contract. But guess what, Jadavian? If you don't stay on the field for sixteen games, nobody's going to pay you. Yeah, especially if uh, half of those sixteen games you only run at a third speed. I would rather take a second-round pick if I can do it. I don't know if they'll do it, but I'd rather take a second-round pick and give him a long-term contract and roll my dice. On Yannick and Jock. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I just want to add one last point. Their third-round pick this year, their, first, their second-round pick is Cam Edgars. I like him. I think he's a good replacement for um, uh, Todd Gurley. Their third-round pick, Lewis, the linebacker, who I guess has tremendous upside, he was injured some of 2017 and the entire 2018 season. Well, they also have um, – I forgot his first name, but his last name is Brown. Uh, um, Malcolm Brown? No. Anyways, uh, he's he was Todd Gurley's backup last year. They're really high on him. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I, and then I, they I had uh, Darren Henderson. The oh, guy, I, the Daryl Henderson. Henderson. The kid they were so high on, who they said was going to take over for him last year. So I think at running back, they're they're they feel they're good, but their their team is still they're going to be in salary cap hell in no time. My my point is they're, they're second pick in the draft because well, they again they didn't have a first. They drafted a linebacker, which they need linebackers. Two years of his college career he was injured. Yeah. And, and what is that going to come? Who knows? Well, we're going to move on to our last topic of the day. Oh. It's a not really surprising piece of news seeing as the Bengals drafted Joe Burrow first overall. They, I, have, I don't know if they've officially done it, but they have 
informed, I would hope at least Andy Dalton, that they are going to release him, former Bengals quarterback Andy Dalton. What do you think, and I think we have the same teams in mind here, but what do you think is a good landing spot for him? Because I don't think he's going to go anywhere and just be guaranteed a starting spot. Wherever he goes, he's going to have to go to compete or to mentor a younger up-and-coming player. I think it is official, as it says, Bengals release Andy Dalton. So I think it's official okay. that he, they, they released him. Oh, yeah, because the, the team president made a statement on it. So it's official. Um, I look at New England because there's an opportunity for him to compete, although I would hate the move because I just, I, I just hate the move. And Jacksonville would probably be a better situation for him. First off, I could stand it more because I, w- I don't care about the uh, Jaguars. And it would give the Jaguars – it would give Jaguars a quarterback that could start, but at the same time still suck. Unless you got another team uh, uh, that you could think of. Well, I'd say for Jacksonville, they'd be smarter just to keep Minshew because Minshew for – and he had flashes of, of looking really good last season. But he is exciting. He's eccentric and he's strange, but he's exciting. And that team's going to need everything they can to drop people into the stadium. Andy Dalton, while he has had uh, some flashes of, of, I wouldn't say brilliance, but of quality play in his career, was on a very inconsistent and poorly managed Bengals team for a long time. So if I were the Patriots, I'd be willing to take a flyer on him because he's going to be cheap. Yeah. He's going to know he's coming in to compete with Stidham. Uh, I don't th- I don't see any world where Brian Hoyer is a starting quarterback for the Patriots. Uh, I know I know they say how much they love him, but they're bringing him in to mentor Stidham. Yeah, that's about it. So they could either, okay, you're the third-string guy, or just cut Hoyer again because they cut him like four times before. So I think you bring Dalton in, you let him compete with Stidham. I think if a guy like Belichick, who knows players that well, looks at Dalton and says, yeah, I can work with that, because Dalton has some skills. I know for all we all we like to joke and, and pick on him, and, and he's the perfect kind of Belichick guy where he's not, he doesn't have the head that's bigger than the team. I mean, granted, because that's because he's never been very on a very successful team. But, I mean, it's not the most exciting pickup, but if you have a defense in New England that can be competitive, and then you have a guy... Like Dalton, who can come in and compete with with Jared Stedham for that starting job. Yeah. Even if he's here for a year, and Stedham kind of learns behind him, or he starts five or six games, and then Stedham comes in behind him and takes over from there, I think it'd be worth you know be worth paying him for a year to come in and kind of you know see what he has, and you never know if he comes in and he's really good for a couple of games, and another quarterback gets hurt, they can always toss him off and, and trade him. And I can trade him for a couple of uh, late round picks and then put Stidham in and just move on from there. I would, I would. It's it's intriguing. I'll admit that. I just, I think back. You can't blame everything on Andy Dalton, uh, all the failures, because for the longest time, it was, uh, what's his name, Marvin Lewis running that team for the better part of, what, two decades? Seemed like it, yeah. Good 15 years. He really couldn't put together teams consistently. 
and I don't know what it'd be like if Andy Dalton was a different different um, coach. And if A.J. Green could have been healthy every single year and Tyler Eifert could have continued his progress and been healthy every single year and one of these dreadful second-tier wide receivers that they drafted didn't consistently get injured and was on the field, maybe we would have saw something. Um, and here's – Andy Dalton is 32 years old. I don't want to say he's Tom Brady because Tom Brady's playing until he's 45. It's not like he's got – he's done. No, he's got quite a few years left him, and if he can stay healthy, he's got a good which is five or six think, years left. Which is why I think maybe Jacksonville will be better only because, for one, I, I read today that the uh, the offensive coordinator is Jay Gruden of the Washington Redskins, uh, was the offensive coordinator with Marvin Lewis in, Balt- uh, in, in Cincinnati, and the few years that they went to the playoffs, he was the OC with Andy Dalton. So there's familiarity with the offense, familiarity with the coach. And if you're Jacksonville and you can keep you can because they can go long term with him. They don't it doesn't have to be one season. They can go long term if they want if they really want to try to work it out. They can kind of maybe build scary as I thought, build a team around Andy Dalton and they have DJ Chark. They can add pieces to that, and maybe if they get the first pick or the second pick or the third pick, they can either, A, take a best player available, or they trade down, collect more picks, get more talent, infuse that team with youth around A.D. Dalton, and maybe he's something that we didn't think he was because it's just been a crappy team. I think he could be, but I think if you're looking to get away from that, the Jaguars are not the way to go with it. No. If you're in, I, I think they're a crap organization, and they're run poorly. And like I said, the, the Khan's family, they seem like nice people. <laughs> but, I mean, they apparently can't run a football team, or at least the people they put in charge can't run a football team. And, well, it's, I, it's you know, just, and it, well, the thing is, if you're Andy Dalton, and you're, you've been on uh, Cincinnati all this time, and you had some d- decent success in the beginning of your career, the last four or five years have just been dreadful. You, you, you've played inconsistently. The team's been inconsistent as all hell. Players have been getting injured, and key players have been getting injured, like you mentioned. And you can go, you have an offer from the Jaguars, who have literally chased away everybody of talent, and continuously trade away players the year or two after they sign on the long-term deals, and look like an absolute mess. Or you can go to the Patriots, who they're going to have some, you know, a feeling out process for some of their new players trying to find out their roles and everything like that. But they have an established management team in place with a winning history, you know they're going to take it seriously, and you know you're not going to get a bunch of BS like you will down in Jacksonville. If you're Dalton and you really want to come to a team and compete and contend and try to win, it's yeah. a no-brainer you come to New England. That's if the offer's there. I don't know. They may not be interested. But the problem's going to be money. They weren't interested when he was $17 million a year when he was under his contract. Yeah. But now that he's a free agent, he understands he's going to have to probably take a pay cut if he wants to go to a competitor. If he just wants, you know... Couple of big years left on a contract, then he may be fine to go to Jacksonville and be three and thirteen, if that, and then retire in four or five years with you know a full wallet. Or he may want to compete and come to a team like New England. And yeah, I mean he won't get paid as much money because that's not what the Patriots do. But you also have uh, endorsement deals and stuff like that. 
it's realistically up to the, the Patriots have got two million in cap space. Unless they somehow swing a deal for Tooney, and that's a large chunk of change off the salary cap if they decide to swing a deal and trade uh, Joe Tooney. It's up to Cam, basically it's up to Cam Newton and Andy Dalton. Who wants to take a minimum contract for one year to be sort of a backup, kind of get healthy, kind of get right, maybe get into a system. And if Bill sees a glimpse of Cam Newton, oh, he might still have it. Or he sees Andy Dalton like, okay. Josh says he can run the offense the way we want to run it, not be prolific, but enough to make it work for us then maybe we can extend him and maybe Jared Stidham is not the answer. I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying he isn't. I'm just We just don't know. Yeah, we have him. no idea. We, yeah, we haven't seen enough. So it's all depending on which one of those quarterbacks wants to take the lower dollar value realistically. Because whoever takes that, that spot, um, that's pretty much one of the last chairs at the table other than Jacksonville as a backup quarterback or fighting for the, uh, for the starting spot. I'll say this, he's probably going to end up getting signed by the Texans. And then Bill O'Brien is going to trade Deshaun Watson for a fifth-round pick in a Netflix gift card. That's pretty much That's, that's what Bill O'Brien pretty much does. So it, it, It's 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 come to this point where there's only so many seats left at the quarterback table. That's the thing, the league is really stacked quarterback-wise. It is. Like, Jameis just signed with the New Orleans Saints. Officially, finally, yeah. Which has now four quarterbacks. Counting the one they drafted in the seventh round, I don't want to get into that because I got into it with Chris earlier, and it just that one. Yeah, we're me. we're already running long, and that's a twenty minute rant. Um, so I just don't see too many seats left. Uh, you have two good quarterbacks left. Um, someone's going to roll the dice. Cam, I think Cam or Andy Dalton are destined for New England. If I'm Bill. And he's willing to take the million, 1.5 with incentives. I'd go for Cam. See, sure. I, I'd go the other way. i call Dalton. I think he fits the system better. I just think he, he adds another level if if it's there. And if it's not there, he sees it's not there. At least he can hold them over for a year if he still thinks he can be on the team. And you go with any, with Jared Stenham, and Jared Stenham's your quarterback. It's just, I think the allure of a quarterback that has different abilities than he's used to, because he's used to Tom, who's basically inside the pocket all the time. Your new age quarterbacks are more mobile. Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. But two of those things are not like the other two. They're they're all mobile. I'm saying you have you have Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield, and then you have well, I mean, the two of the faces right. of the league in Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. But I mean, as far as like I'm I'm, I'm talking ability wise, I know what you mean. Yeah, they're all kind yeah. of mobile have ability to get out of the pocket where Tom never did. It'd be interesting to see if he wanted to bring in. Cam Newton, who has that same kind of ability, and see how it's in their offense. So even if it's not Cam Newton in the future, when they decide to bring someone else in, whether it be free agent, draft pick, 
they can kind of see how it fits in the audience. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think it'll definitely definitely be signed by some. It wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if within a week or two, both of those guys, Cam and Dalton, are signed. But I think if we're all set. Yeah, I'm good. Then uh, we're going to get out of here. We encourage you all to give us your thoughts and opinions on any of our topics on today's show, on any of our social media sites. And Ben, where can they find those? Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook. That's Ben and Chris Talk Football. And you can hit us up on Twitter if you want. That's at BCTS Pod. So that is going to do it for us. Thank you once again for listening. For Ben, I am Chris. We hope you are all staying safe and healthy out there. And we will see you right back here Tuesday morning. Thank you.